a father's love. The boys grew up. Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the outdoors, Ish Sadeh. But Jacob was an Ishtam, a mild man, who stayed at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau. But Rebekah loved Jacob. We have no difficulty understanding why Rebekah loved Jacob. She'd received an oracle from God in which he was told, There are two nations in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. Well, Jacob was the younger. Rebekah seems to inferred, have inferred correctly as it turned out that it would be he who would continue the covenant, who would stay true to Abraham's heritage, and who would teach it to his children, carrying the story forward into the future. So the real question is, why did Isaac love Esau? Couldn't he see that he was a man of the outdoors, a hunter, not a contemplative or a man of God? Is it conceivable that he loved Esau merely because he had a taste for wild game? Did his appetite rule his mind and heart? Did Isaac not know how Esau had sold his birthright for a bowl of soup? And how he subsequently, how he subsequently despised the birthright himself itself? Was this someone with whom to entrust the spiritual patrimony of Abraham? Isaac surely knew that his elder son was a man of mercurial temperament who lived in the emotions of the moment. Even if this didn't trouble him, the next episode involving Esau clearly did. We read when Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, daughter of Beri the Hittite, and also Bosmat, daughter of Elon the Hittite. They were a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. Esau had made himself at home among the Hittites. He'd married two of their women. This wasn't a man to carry forward the Abrahamic covenant which involved a measure of distance from the Hittites and Canaanites and all they represented in terms of religion, culture and morality. Yet clearly Isaac did love Esau. Not only does the verse with which we began say so, it remains so. Genesis 27 with its morally challenging story of how Jacob dressed up as Esau and took the blessing that had been meant for him is remarkable for the picture it paints of the genuine deep affection between Isaac and Esau. We sense this at the beginning. When Isaac asked Esau, prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. This isn't Isaac's physical appetite speaking. It's his wish to be filled with the smell and taste he associates with his elder son so that he can bless him in a mood of focused love. It's the end of the story, though, that really conveys the depth of feeling between them. Esau enters with the food he's prepared. Slowly slowly Isaac and then Esau realize the nature of the deception that has been practiced against them. Isaac trembled violently. Esau burst out with a loud and bitter cry. It's hard in English to convey the power of these descriptions. The Torah says generally very little about people's emotions. During the whole of the trial of the binding of Isaac, we're given not the slightest indication of what Isaac or Abraham felt in one of the most fraught episodes in Genesis. The text is, as Eric Auerbach said, fraught with background, meaning more is left unsaid than said. 
The depth of feeling the Torah describes in speaking of Isaac and Esau at that moment is thus rare and almost overwhelming. Father and son share their sense of betrayal. Esau passionately seeking some blessing from his father and Isaac rousing himself to do so. The bond of love between them is intense. So the question returns with undiminished force. Why did Isaac love Esau despite everything? his wildness, his mutability, and his outmarriages. The sages gave an explanation. They interpreted the phrase, skillful hunter, ish Said, as meaning that Esau trapped and deceived Isaac. He pretended to be more religious than he was. There is, though, a quite different explanation, much closer to the plain sense of the text, and very, very moving. Isaac loved Esau because Esau was his son. And that is what fathers do. They love their children unconditionally. That doesn't mean that Isaac couldn't see the faults in Esau's character. It doesn't imply that he thought Esau the right person to continue the covenant. It doesn't mean that he wasn't pained when Esau married Hittite women. The text explicitly says he was. But it does mean that Isaac knew that a father must love his son because he is his son. That is not incompatible with being critical of what he does. But a father doesn't disown his child, even when he disappoints his expectations. Isaac was teaching us a fundamental lesson in parenthood. Why Isaac? Because he knew that Abraham had sent his son Ishmael away. He may have known how much that pained Abraham and injured Ishmael. There's a remarkable series of Midrashim that suggest that Abraham visited Ishmael even after he sent him away. And others say it was Isaac who effected the reconciliation. He was determined not to inflict the same fate on Esau. Likewise, he knew to the very depths of his being the psychological cost on both his father and himself of the trial of the binding. At the beginning of the chapter of Jacob and Esau and the blessing, the Torah tells us that Isaac was blind. There's a midrash that says that it was the tears shed by the angels as they watched Abraham bind his son and lift the knife that fell into Isaac's eyes, causing him to go blind in old age. The trial was surely necessary, otherwise God wouldn't have commanded it. But it left wounds, psychological scars, and it left Isaac determined not to have to sacrifice Esau, his own child. In some way, then, Isaac's unconditional love of Esau was a tikkun, a mending, a healing for the rupture in the father-son relationship brought about by the binding. Thus, though Esau's path was not that of the covenant, Isaac's gift of paternal love helped prepare the way for the next generation in which all of Jacob's children remained within the fold. There's a fascinating argument between two Mishnaic sages that has a bearing on this. 
There's a verse in Deuteronomy that says about the Jewish people, Banim Atem Hashem Elokechem, you are children of the Lord your God. Rabbi Judah held that this applied only when Jews behaved in a way that was worthy of the children of God. Rabbi Meir said it was unconditional. Whether Jews behave like God's children or they don't, they are still called the children of God. Rabbi Meir, who believed in unconditional love, acted in accordance with his view. His own teacher, Elisha ben Abuya, eventually lost his faith and became a heretic, yet Rabbi Meir continued to study with him and respect him, maintaining that at the very last moment of his life he had repented and turned to God. To take seriously the idea central to Judaism of Alvinu Malkenu, that our king is first and foremost our parent, is to invest our relationship with God with the most profound emotions. God wrestles with us as does a parent with a child. We wrestle with him as a child does with his or her parents. The relationship is sometimes tense, conflictual, even painful. Yet what gives it its depth is the knowledge that it is unbreakable. Whatever happens, a parent is still a parent and a child is still a child. The bond may be deeply damaged, but it is never broken beyond repair. Perhaps that is what Isaac was signaling to all generations by his continuing love for Esau, so unlike him, so different in character and destiny, yet never rejected by him. Just as the Midrash says that Abraham never really rejected Ishmael and found ways of communicating his love. Unconditional love is not uncritical, but it is unbreakable. That is how we should love our children. For it is how God loves us.